Bing party people what's happening and welcome to another edition of talking during movies the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation and folks we got a fun one today you know these are these are the movies that i like and it seems silly when you think about all the other movies that have been played on this podcast but these are the ones that i like because they touch your heart in a different way they bring you back to to great experiences and overcoming challenges in a, in a really positive way but before we get into the movie and everything, let me introduce our amazing guest. If you've got a problem, yo, she can solve it. Sure, she went East Coast to do. We're not going to hold that against her. Not at all. No way. No shame. Wenzang, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so wow. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Super, super excited to be here. Excellent. Now, before we get into the movie you chose, everything else, why don't you tell people how they can engage with you? You know, they want they have some follow up questions, anything like that. Where's the best way to find you and engage with you? Yeah, fantastic question. My website is if not now when.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, on socials, all the fun places. Yes. And yes. Nice. Excellent. And it's W E N. Z-H-A-N-G for those who uh, want the spelling there. So get her on LinkedIn or you can, you know, always uh, find me and then you'll see that we are connected and there you go, party people. So you chose a movie. We had a little fun exchange there. You've got one that you really like. Tell the folks what we're going to be watching today. Will you be watching Moana? Oh yes. my God. It's my favorite movie of all times. If I can only watch this one movie until the day I die, I'll be really okay. This is it, huh? Yes, this is it. All right. Well, we're going to let's hit play here. And then I want to get into why this is your uh, favorite movie of all time now. Let's do it. All right. So we got the credits rolling. Why? What is it about this movie that just strikes a chord with you that you love so much? Well, once we start watching, you will notice Moana is a girl who's stuck in an island who always wanted to see the world beyond the ocean. And I am somebody born and raised in a mountain town and always yawning to see the world beyond a mountain. And me and Moana, we never met, but I felt that we are on the same quest, same journey. And I just felt just so inspired by the movie, by the love. Now, you know, the, the obviously very successful professional. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what part of this, 
where did you get your initial inspiration from? Because your success came before the movie, obviously. So <laughs> as you're as you're navigating life and you know you're yeah. from this small mountain town, what what brought you to where you are? Was it grandparents? Was it parents? Was it friends? Mm. What were those pieces that moved you? I'm gonna share small stories. Please. One of one of my fondest memory as child is I will, I love to ride behind my mom's bicycle around the town. And you know, we don't grow up with cars. So bicycle is how we go around. I remember this one time when I was seven years old and my mom just carried me behind her bike. And we every night we'll go from my mom's house to my grandma's house every single night after dinner. And this one night, I'm just behind her, I'm chilling, she's biking. And as we go, I was suddenly look up in the sky. I saw this bright moon. She follows me everywhere from the moment that we left my grandma's house, like to my house. I was like, wow, with all the people in China, moon chose me, my one and only me. And she follows me everywhere. And that must mean I am special. It must mean there's a world out here for me to see. So, that was a moment how my journey began, how I really just on this quest to see what is the world beyond the mountain and how can I really see the world? That's always in my heart. And that was a moment that really solidified for me. Nice. So born and raised in China. Yes. What, um, what was your impetus to come to America versus let's say France or England or Brazil or anywhere else <laughs> on planet Earth. Why? Why? What was what was special about uh, about coming to America for you? Once again, uh, sounds silly. I have zero idea. I grew up in a the town. There's no internet. There's no car. No one ever left. I don't even have a world map. Truly, I could not tell. I don't know English, UK, France, Austria. I I, I don't. I have no no idea. Mm -hmm. And how it all come about is, you know, really long story short, I find a cassette machine. That's how my journey began in the following four years when, when I try and I try and I try and I try. It's a nine failures total in four years. And that's how I left my town. And why do I choose United States? It's because there's one of the only school that picked me. So I said, like, yeah, sure. I'm in. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I never even see snow before. I, my my first uh, grad school was University of Illinois, Abana Champaign, in Chicago. I never been to Chicago, didn't know what Chicago is. And when I know I get in Chicago, I said, oh, "There's snow." So me and my mom, you can, like, where where we come from? There's no, there's no Yelp, there's no Google. So my mom was like, "Wow." This place you're going are gonna be snowing, and but our hometown is warm, so. I was behind her motorcycle. We drive around the town and there are two bedding stores in my town, really just two. And you're looking at, we, we purchased one of the thickest blanket possible because my mom thought I gonna freeze to death. So we packed that thickest blanket. Like it's like something very special here. And we bought us even like a vacuum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to make it like small so I can pack it. I literally come, come to United States with that thickest blanket in my suitcase because my mom thought I'm gonna freeze to die. I still have that with me. So to answer your story, the question long story short, do I know United States? Not at all. I All I want is just leave the mountain town where I come from because honestly, 
I could care less where I'm going. All I want is just go see the world. And anywhere is a starting point compared to why from. Sure. Well, I mean, we got lucky, right? We landed you. You came here. <laughs> we got lucky. Thank you. You are too uh, kind. You know, um, you've got this, you've got this little girl at the beach. You can tell from this moment she wants to escape in some capacity, wants to grow and be bigger. You know, you uh, obviously culturally, um, life's different, right? Here in the US than it, than it is in China, than it is, you know, all cultures are different. Where are, where do you see the challenges uh, differently for women finding success in China versus America and vice versa? Well, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> You know, I remember the day when I was on this airplane, you know, I'm gonna, I'm about to fly to Chicago. I remember this one gentleman sitting in front of me, he's speaking to flight attendant in English about luggage. And the moment I sit there, I thought, wow, if in the day I can actually understand what they are speaking, that would be so awesome. And so I don't, I know, I don't actually understand anything at all when I first arriving. And I remember when I first go to a subway, when I'm on campus, go to subway store, order the sandwiches. That was the hardest thing I ever had to do because you were staying in line and all the vegetable, they make sense in my mind, but I don't know the English name for it. So it's like, I'm stumbled through like lettuce, tomato, orange, whatever. And there's so much peer pressure. People are waiting in line. And I was like, oh my God, this is the worst moment of my life. And that was still the case. Like that was so challenging when I first arrived in America, just get a sense of the all the situation, the environment, the people, the culture, the language, the food, and it was so difficult. So when I first come here, all I think about is, it's not supposed to be successful, just to live, just to survive. And for the longest time, like all I do is just, because I'm so afraid to like go outside, order food. So I will leave it by rice and water, I'll be, eat rice and water with soy sauce for a while until I, somehow understand a little bit subway languages. Anyhow, to answer the question, how to be successful, I really think first of all, like surviving first, like take me solid a couple years at least to just understand how things work here. And I think one thing I really appreciate, you know, I, I call it American dream is truly is in my heart is, um, I love America where if really you have a passion, you have fire on your chest, and married that with hard working, everything is possible. I love a saying people say, the world is your oyster because it truly is. I remember the first day when I arrived in Champagne, when I walked to, a, it's not actually the first day, but first week when I go to a Walmart store, I was just so amazed how big the store is. And when I walked in the aisle of the, the aisle that's selling all the chips, I was like, wow, there's so many flavors. You got cucumber, you got barbecue, you got salt, the vinegar. And I was like, wow, you can take whatever you want and no one really cares, no one will watching you. This is awesome. That's how I see at the moment what American dream really is. The whole world is really yours. You can take whatever you want. You can be whoever you are right here, right now. Now is the moment you can make a choice for yourself. And you can, every moment is a new moment. It's a brand new space. So that is how I see America and how I see American dream as what is meant for me. Mm -hmm. And where I come from, once again, I want to make sure um, there's a discernment between where I come from versus China. Like I found a little mountain town on China. So it's not representing entire China. I want to make sure, sure. difference here. But where I come from, it's a 
it's a town where it's a woman are meant to be a wife, a mother, and that's the role that she meant to be. And that is entirely the only trajectory that matters in my town, in my people. And mm -hmm. if you gentlemen, if you men, you want to ideally working at a at the post office or store where you have a job and you get paid just forever, you never get fired. You can just chill, read the newspaper, just hang out like that is what my time is. So in that sense, right, in my time, it's really all about how to, how to chill, like how to, I don't know how to explain, how to just chill for a lifetime, like just how to have babies and chill and just, just live. And I think it's beautiful. Really, it's beautiful. I love, I love all my people, my cousins, my mom, my dad, my, my sisters, everyone I grow with. That's what they love to do. But for me, I just I don't know where it is. I just always just want to see the world beyond the mountain. I just the moment I really it sounds silly. At the moment I feel like my moon chose me, I just felt like I must be so special. And I remember the first time I told my mom what I wanted to do in life. I told her, you know, because my hometown is very close. Like no one ever left, right? You know, no one ever leave the town. No one go to college, at least when I grew up, at least. Um, I told my mom, I want to be a mayor of the town because it sounds pretty cool. Like it's, that sounds like the biggest position in my town. And my mom right away say, oh, shh, you can't say that. Don't ever say that ever in front of people. Don't ever say that. She is so afraid that I will get in trouble of dream, she was so afraid that a girl, first of all, girls are wanted where I come from. You know, girl is, I don't wanna say it's a waste, but pretty much it's a waste. When I was born, it's a disappointment. So as a girl, your job is just smile, cry, like, you know, just wear pretty dresses, don't make waves. If you have ambition, it's really not a good thing. Where I come from. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that reaction, how I grew up, how my mom's reaction to my dream. Oh, at the time I want to be a married all the time and that is a bad thing. and. I just really feel, it sounds silly to say, but I just don't feel like I ever belong. Like I try so hard to fit in. I try so hard to just be one of them, just be happy with what I have, just to just to be grateful. And I am, I'm really grateful. I love my culture. I love my food. I love my family. I love all of those things. Um, but I just, as hard as I try, I could not, I just could not let go. The fire on my chest started burning them like as young as I remember. And I just could never let that go. And that's how the journey became. And so answering really your question, long story short. No, please. Successful, there's, a, there's a complete different criteria as what success means in different mm -hmm. culture, right? Where I come from, where I can, let's not speak for entire China, but where I come from, mm -hmm. success means you are the mom. For me, a woman, you are the mom. You have children. Your husband had a job. You are chilling. You focus on family. And that is what success is. Sure. Was. But I think the way how I see American dream is you can be whoever you want, do whatever you want. The way how I see success is you relentlessly seeking the truth the truth about who you are, the truth about what is a gift you have in your heart and how do you share the gift with the world? That's how I see the success in America and the American or American dream enable me to having that option, having that choice, having that opportunity to, to choose. And I get to, you know, being the, the person choose for myself rather than people set for me, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things you said when you started telling this, which I really appreciate, and a lot of people don't say it, right? There's, 
the American dream, there's this immense opportunity. You can be whatever you want, but you, you threw in two words that a lot of people miss, hard work. Mm. Everyone, and especially people born here, right? Being a kid born here in a small town in Montana, rural, you know, hunting when you're eight years old, so you can eat in the winter time. Not, not, not what, not any wealth by any stretch of the imagination, but it was hard work. And that prepared me when I wanted to do something, when I want to do things that are different, when I want to be and see the world differently or, or um, look at an industry and go, no, nah, I don't like that. Or just experiment and try stuff. Well, all of those things take hard work. Like it's one thing to have the opportunity to say, I want to be a mayor and no one goes, shh. It's another thing to put the effort in to actually become the mayor. Because I think too many people, when you're surrounded by a beautiful dream, forget the hard work theme. And they're like, well, I want to be mayor. You're like, okay, no one voted for me. Well, did you do the hard work? Or did you just put on Facebook one day, you want to be mayor of Austin? Like, which one did you do? And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always appreciative of, of, of anyone anywhere that values the effort of hard work because mm -hmm. it, it, the, the rewards are, are, are always so much sweeter. I agree. And I'm very proud about to say, Jason, today, everything I own, I had I experienced, everything, everything is made by those 10 fingers. And I'm not those story coming from those crazy rich Asian, the movie that we watch. I'm definitely not that. I don't know anybody, I have zero connection. I am, I, I'd have nothing. I come from nothing. And I'm very proud that everything I do is, you know, both my hands. No door I've opened. I, let, me, let me interrupt you. I'm going to say this. You don't come from nothing. Because you got a spark in your heart, and that came from somewhere. I didn't come from nothing. I my moon. Somewhere. That's right. My moon chose me. Your moon chose you. So you came from somewhere. And the values of your small town and your parents and the people around you and the culture and the customs and the food, all of those from the outside looking in, looks like it built a phenomenal base mm. for the rocket ship that you are to take off mm. and not only see the world, but you know, see the whole world. See the whole world. That's right. And you know, when I, I used to start seeing the world, just traveling the world, eating pasta, eating this pizza, like all the fun things. You know what I realized? I want to see the world is not actually just about traveling. It's actually about meeting people, learning different perspective and mm -hmm. seeking truth. You know, I, I come from a startup world. I see a bigger world to get MBA, all the fun educations, you know, the, my career a professional career path but at the end of the day like i realized when i want when i say i want to see in the world it actually means seeking the truth mm -hmm. and with all the experience who am i really are and how do i create impact on this planet if i die tomorrow would that be okay and i right now i can answer i'm great i will be really okay because at this moment i gave it a hundred percent and i'm saying that is no one ever opened door for me and i'm i'm no i have no problem with that I, my feet on the door and then bust the door open. That's how I get in. 
you know, where I come from, a girl in a mountain town never meant to come this far. She never meant to have a college degree, have master, have not a master degree. She never meant to left the town in the first place. Not only I did that, I felt as, as if because I do that, therefore I felt like universe put me on this planet for a reason. I have to, I have to share my story. I have to, you know, find the light in my chest. I have to share that gift with the world. And that's how I feel that way. How do you bridge for what you do? And, and obviously let's tell people what you do, but how do you bridge? Yeah. You broke through with just grit and determination and that now you're the person that helps people break through and retell their story. You didn't have that. So what inspired you to give that? Mm. I love that question. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, right? I am a girl born from a little mountain town in China where there's, there's no way, there's no way out. And for me, you know, 10 years ago when I find a cassette machine, when I try and I try and I try, when I able to, you know, make that leap of the faith, when I able to make my dream come true by starting my American dream, by, you know, coming to this new world, that moment, I know it changed my entire life trajectory. And because of that, I know how, how that means to my heart. And today, you know, I, you know, I spent five, after that, I spent five years in Chicago in the startup world. Uh, after seeing startup, I thought, you know what, I want to see a whole world. Uh, I want to see a bigger world. Got my MBA from Duke and I was part of a Dell technology, you know, help manage $320 million portfolio with 400 sales teams, go to market, North America, channel segment, all the funding, all the big picture. But the moment I realized this is amazing job, amazing culture, amazing people, but I am living someone else's life. This is great. This is just not for me. And that moment thinking back about why do I even leave the home in the first place? How that, that moment that when I made that leap, how that made so much how that moment means the world to me and then realize it will be honored if I can serve and helping people to make their dream come true. And that's how I see, you know, entrepreneurs, I think they are the biggest dreamers. So if I can helping them tell the right story, if I can helping them to cultivate the right, right framework so that they can get yes from investors, from customers in the first stage, that will be, mm -hmm. you know, truly a, a dream come true for myself too. So Really, I realized my heart, my soul is actually entrepreneurs before I even know it. When I was in China, when I, when I, when I want to seek the way out to the world, I was hustling before I even know it. Whether it's the five years startup experience in Chicago, myself co-founded business for two years, learning so many things you should not do, which is equally important is what you should do. And part of the think tank startup for three years. So I did so many startups without knowing that actually I am born and raised as an entrepreneur. That's just in my blood, in my genes. And now marrying that with my education, my professional experience, with my own startup experience, marrying that together, I have exact perfect blueprint for helping startups to know exactly helping them to tell that story to you know grow and scale their business. And not only that from skill set perspective, but really from the passion perspective, if I can help people make their dream come true, like what what can be more blessing than that? Yeah. The way how I see it is you and me and him and her, we all like a little light bulb. If your light bulb can be one pixel brighter by me supporting you, might enable you to go after what you really want. The whole world, the whole planet 
It's a brighter and happier place. And that's why I do what I do. And it's not about me helping one entrepreneur, me helping one startup. It's about hundreds, thousands, millions of customers behind that one enterprise, one business, one solution. And by collectively, we all rise together when we all say yes to one another and we all shine our light. So I love it. That's why I do what I do. I love it. I, I, I got a question for you for startups. I wonder what in your mind is more difficult. Is it more difficult to figure out how to tell the story or is it more difficult to raise money? Oh, that's a, <laughs> first of all, slightly trick question. Uh, uh, yes, me, I know. <laughs> let me answer that. Um, first and foremost, you know, of course, telling stories is important, but first and foremost, you need to have a, you need to truly have a real business in terms of you are solving the real problem. That is the most important. The way I, how I see it is the storytelling part is like, cherry on the top, like, okay. or like icing on the cake. Your business itself should be a cake. It's solid, good vanilla flavor cake. That should be a great cake first, then we put icing, make it look pretty and all wonderful things. So that's why I see the function of storytelling piece. And regarding raising capital, right? You know, of course, investor, you know, first of all, he or she is here to invest. They are here to say, okay, I'm gonna give you X, Y, Z money. What is the return on investment, right? It's all like the number has to work out. But in the same time, the way how I see it is, you know, as a founder, you need to show the numbers, show the financial, show all the statistics, all the fun piece. But in the same time, you know, how you and me, how we say yes, it's not just about the numbers. It's all about, you know, like why do anyone buy anything? Of course, number all matters, but we mm -hmm. all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's where the storytelling coming into place. It's, first of all, you have a solid business, you have a solid solution, you have all the right numbers. And now the storytelling is gonna be you know, like a tie, bows on the tie, ties mm -hmm. on the bow. Okay, one of those things. Uh, wrapped everything all together in the perfect experience. And then that's how you got yes from investors. If that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and I kind of look at it similarly. I, uh, I see the world and go, one, you got to have a working product or you've got to have a wow factor in some capacity. Two, I think too many people get focused on, I had a phone call with this person and I was a VC and I didn't get money. Oh, rethink the idea. And they don't no. get the fact that people are going to tell you no and no is okay. And also no is not the end of a relationship. They took a call with you. You know, we did this, um, we're launching this uh, TV show, my buddy, Chef Joe Cotto and, and Brian Cowan. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And we've talked to some mid-level people and big people, and they love the concept. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, we want to do this. And then we got on with the head of Goldman Media. I mean, the guy who does all the reality shows for NBC, the mm -hmm. CEO, Alan Goldman. He's like, mm -hmm. I'll give you 10 minutes, Jay. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes later, He's still talking to us. And he's like, I've tried these cooking shows before. I've failed at every one of them. I don't like them because I haven't had success with them. So I'm the wrong guy to talk to. But I want you guys to stay in touch. And when you shoot your sizzle reel, I want to see it. I was like, all right, perfect. That's all I wanted. Then we talked to this other group. And this guy is like, hey, man, not for me. Um, but you know what? I might know some people. 
when you get the info, say stuff, tell me. And I have all these people that are like, man, Hollywood's cutthroat. These money people are cutthroat. You can't share your idea. I said, you guys, I don't care. Steal my idea. It's not going to be better than when I do it because it's not their idea. When you steal something, you've lost a piece of it. There's just, there, mm. there's, there's, it, it doesn't have to be transactional, but there, there is an emotive, there's a touch, there's a fingerprint on it. You know I mean? We want to mm-hmm. start off, you bring an expert, a legend in, someone who's succeeded very well in life. It could be a, a rock star, it could be an athlete. You bring that person in and I take my chef and my comic and I put them in their arena. So you get vulnerability. Instant, you've got expert and then two people who are vulnerable trying something. Then we tell you, we start talking, hey, what's your favorite food? What really inspires you? What touches your heart? Mm. It might be a food that grandma made. It might be a food that, you know, that when they travel to Milwaukee, that's the only thing they get. And then chef teaches them how to make it from scratch. When I'm talking from scratch, this cat makes his own charcoal. He makes his own knives from scratch, legit from scratch. You can check out his show from scratch on Pluto. It's one of the top rated shows on that network. And I believe it's one of the top five for continually watching where people don't pause or leave. So he's got a good track record for this. And then you go to the dinner table and you eat it. And now, so you've got, once again, about the comic and now the legend that are uncomfortable cooking. And now we're at the dinner table and now mm. we're all vulnerable. We got a little bit of wine. We got this great food, share a couple of stories. And then you ask, Hey, you know, we did a little bit of research. We found out that this charity is really close to you. Yeah, it is. Well, good. We're going to donate $10,000 to that charity in your name. And then you end with a giving moment, which once again, exposes heart and vulnerability. And it's the idea that even in this highly connected world where everything, you know, oh, I can follow on Instagram and I can see their comment and I can DM them or I can, oh, I post a comment and you know, Padma liked it. Ooh, maybe she knows who I am, but it's still vertical, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. not really how people engage mm-hmm. and you don't really get to see their vulnerability because it's a static picture or it's a 10 second video or it's, it's mm-hmm. text. It's, there's always a component missing. And so to bring these people across the board into vulnerability and some of these you touched on earlier, right? The food that, you know, it seems like we're born with two things that we kind of need, right? Connection and food. And for viable reasons, we need food, but there's a cultural mix to it. And to, to have that opening and that opportunity for people, and then to have people be like, yeah, I'll do it, is what's fun to me. Now, everyone, everyone's like, man, don't work with athletes, they're too hard. Don't work with comics, they're unreliable. Don't work with chefs, they curse too much. I'm like, well, I fit all of those boats too. However, we all fit all of those boats. So maybe instead of saying, don't do it because it's hard, don't do it because this is not the typical show, cooking show we've seen. Instead of that, no, man, come on, have some fun, gamble. And then you omni-channel it, do the TV show, do behind the scenes, own that content and put that somewhere else and then make ad revenue off of that. YouTube, Ibble, uh, you know, wherever. Ooh, and go ahead and take that dinner conversation and keep talking podcast. So now you've got three or four revenue channels instantly. And as soon as you bring that up, you should see these knuckleheads go, you can't do that. It's got to be a TV show or it's got to be a podcast. It can't be all these things, Jay. It can't. You're not going to get the licensing deals done right. 
I'm like, well, man, where have I heard that before? Every startup ever in the history of the world has found success. You can't do that. We love hearing that as entrepreneurs. Tell me you can't. Figure it out, son. I'll figure it out. We'll have some fun. You know, and so it's um, it's interesting to me because there is that those moments where you're like, oh yeah, I need to raise some money. But people say no. I'm like, oh, you just asked the wrong person. You got eight billion people on this planet. Someone's gonna be like, that sounds good to me. Where do I send the check? And that's all you need. You, you get that one person that believes you or that one person that goes, you know what, let me make a phone call for you. You know what, I know this person, they're not a great fit, but they might know someone. And your point of the light bulbs and connecting, I think when people hold on to ideas too hard or they hold on to connections, like, well, how did you meet that person? Were y'all up in, you know, the, the great ever after before you were born, hanging out as little spirits floating around and you met on earth? No, someone introduced you, you knucklehead. So go ahead and extend the favor. Because a lot of times what you find is that you've made that introduction and your contact, your friend actually got as much or more value out of that introduction as the person who really wanted to meet them. I think it's all about abundance mindset. Yeah. It's not about hoarding the idea, the contacts, all that. No, the, 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 how I see it is really like the more we share, the more we give, the more we have. Mm -hmm. What you want, you give it to others. Exactly. You want more contacts, you give it to others. You want more love, you give it to others. You want more opportunity, you give it to others. And only by doing that, we all rise together. It's not about if I have more, you have less. It's about how do we grow the bigger pie together for all of us. And today, honestly, Jason, I, you know, in this modern world, there are still hundreds, millions of people don't have access to internet, for example. Like there are still women and men on this planet don't have basic access to internet, to clothing, to clean water, all the things that you and me are so take granted for. And in some weird way, like you and me, we are the chosen one. We are the special one. Like the fact that right now we have this conversation, like we are so lucky. And because of that, it's our responsibility to really say yes to one another, to really to celebrate and support one another so that we can rise together. So we, when we shine our light collectively together, we light out a path for others. So it's yeah. not about the more for you, the less for me. It's about how do we be bigger for everybody. And I always believe well, it's only, it's wing, wing, and wing. That's how we be sustainable. And I tell people, when for the wing. I love it. Now, it's, I mean, it, it, once again, I mean, this movie that you chose, it really is perfect for your story and, uh -huh. and who you are. I'm, you know, we're watching and she, she's fighting the sea. What was your first big fight? And, and not necessarily like, I mean, it was, what was your, what was your first big difficulty and obstacle to overcome? And now I'm going to make a snarky joke here. Besides the fact that we really don't have Chinese food in America. Like what was, you know, there's gotta be something extremely disappointing about rolling into a restaurant that says Chinese food, like, and you walk in, you're like, you're kind of missing the mark. <laughs> not saying it tastes bad, just saying it's not authentic. So you're asking what is the biggest challenges in America yeah, biggest, or in China? Big, biggest, or? The biggest challenge, you know, you, you came to America, your first real big challenge. Mm, okay. 
There's a lot of them. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna share one, <laughs> one of them. Uh, one day I was in this, you know, first I came here for master's degree. So it's a little like a small sem- seminar style uh, classroom, right? You have 20 of classmates sit right together. And I remember this one day, you know, just, you know, in the morning we have a class and we all sit there and it's one moment in the mix of discussion, conversation. I just look around, look around people around me. I thought to myself, is it just me this moment? Like everybody seems so engaged. I'll raise their hand. It's like a small discussion hall. Like, is it just me this moment? I have no idea what's happening right now. I have no idea what my friends say, what my classmates say. I have no idea what my professors say. I have no idea what even being... I just pretend not my head, pretend I understand. So I can like, a professor call my name, when do you have any questions? I said, no, no questions. I have no idea. Because where I come from, I taught myself English using cassette machine and mainly is dictionary and the cassette machine. Like I learned book English, but never actually speak English to any human being before. And that moment I was just like, oh my God, is this... <laughs> Am I in the right place? And I always question that every single day. And that was, in the beginning, it's a very tough choice because think about this. A girl like me dream about seeing the world for years to come. She find a cassette machine. She was like, oh my God, this is a game changer. She dedicated four years and all her time, attention on this dream. And she thought, oh, you're going to go see the world. Once you come there, life will be like rainbow and sunshine. But guess what? Four years later, nine years later, she finally made it. And she finds herself in the spot. God damn it. Is this actually what I want? Am I, is this, is, is it really? Like, am I belong here? And that moment, not only I don't understand language, the culture, I don't make friends. I don't really understand the class, like what the assignment, like I'm so struggling. I don't understand how to even buy coffee, buy Subway, like uh, sandwiches, like, I don't make friends and I just questioning it. Is this real actually what I meant? And I, you know, for the longest time, I don't really often I tell people this. Because when I tell people I come to America, it's like, oh my God, yes, when you made it. It wasn't just that. Like at first, I think at least six months, like every night I cry myself to death, uh, to, to cry, sorry, <laughs> to sleep. I, I don't, I cannot tell my parents because they, they don't, they have, they are high school dropout. They don't understand what really math degree really is. And I'm, I'm a thousand miles away. If I tell them I have a trouble, it will only mean a worry. Mm-hmm. They know nothing. They have no context to it. So I could not tell them. And I thought, I just really questioning, like, is this really what I want? And until one night, I tell myself, I'm crying, blah, blah, blah. And I tell myself, you know what? God damn it, when I don't know is it the right thing to do. I don't know is it the right choice to do, but I going to finish what I started. It's nobody's fault. I choose this path. I don't know if it's the right path for me, but all I commit to right now is just finish what I started. I can always leave. And that was the moment I tell myself, you know what? Stop bitching. Like, suck it up. Make it work. And that was a turning moment, the first turning moment for me to really see the light and explore what American dream really means for me. How many startups have you looked at when they, when you talk to them and they're complaining, do you look at them and go, hey, toughen up? You know, oftentimes I tell folks, right? You know, like you talked about earlier, the yes and no thing, right? You know, generally speaking, got one yeses. You're gonna have 50, 60 no's. That's just, that's just name of a game. So I tell people, 
you get one note, you get one challenges, like not just suck it up, but this is actually a good thing. Why? Because you get one note, that means you are one step closer to you really a yes. And that's a fantastic good news. Right, at the end of the day, right, you're right. Like we, we cannot possibly please everybody, a billion people on this planet. And our goal is really find alliance, find people that align the way that say, wow, Jason, I love your TV show. Wow, I would love to be on the table with you. That's our goal. Our job is to discern and find the right people. And it's not their fault that they are not the person yet. Yes, I agree. Like hustling is a name of a game. Suck it up because that's the path you choose. Let's move forward. Not in a bad way, not say suck it in a bad way, but finish where you started. And that's how I see it. It's, it's not about, oh my God, I'm going to have this like huge business. I'm going to have an amazing asset. I'm going to be, become the next Elon Musk and next Mark Zuckerberg, which is all well and amazing. But sometimes we just have to focus on one step at a time. At the C, pre-C stage, you are just looking at how do we get to the first product market fit? How do we get the first revenue, right? Small milestone rather than thinking, oh, what's going to happen when I have actually IPO, which boat I'm going to buy, which island I'm going to you know, go venture, right? One step at a time, like it's, you know, how to eat the elephant is one bite at a time. Not to say we should eat elephant or at all. That's a bad analogy. You get idea. Well, I understand. Right? No, that's a good analogy because, or I use the analogy, I, I use two analogies in this. Okay. Steal these if you want, if they're any good. One, <laughs> there's a beautiful thing about being on top of Everest. There's a beautiful mm. thing. You're on top of the world and you can see the curvature of the earth. It's amazing. But there's a downside. Nothing grows there. There's no growth on top of Everest. Now you go to the rainforest, the heart of Brazil, the Amazon, and there's so much growth it can literally block out the sun. And you're in darkness because you're surrounded by too much growth. And then you look at the great plains of America where the growth is about waist high. You can still see for miles and miles but you've got opportunity for growth. Hmm. And I, you know, I, I, people get lost in wanting to be on Everest and wanting to be on top. And then they, then they don't feel complete. They don't feel complete because there's no growth. And then people feel overwhelmed in the Amazon because there's so much around them and there's too much growth and they don't know where to start. Hmm. You know, and you've got to look at this folks and go to your point, Stop trying to buy the yacht. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's a fun little dream to have. And if that helps you go to sleep, great. You got your vision board, whatever, that's your thing. Good for you. But if that's your focus, it's like saying, when, come on, we're going to go for a hike. Oh, gee, where are we going to go? Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, didn't really pack for that. Kind of packed for Mount Benel, you know? <laughs> and you're like, sorry, well, where, our goal is Kilimanjaro. Great. But what did you build to get to that goal? Mm -hmm. right there's effort in everything that we do to your point hard work and that hard work means you got to stretch you got to do the little steps you got to start clearing the brush you, you've, you've got to see all the big tasks but you also have to see the little tasks in front of you or you're going to trip and fall continually mm. and then that becomes a great danger right because then you never succeed because you never have to finish and why would you you can just say, I'm lost. I'm overwhelmed. Well, yeah, you're overwhelmed because you're trying to buy it, trying to buy Putin's yacht. <laughs> so you, you, yeah, you can't even buy a Corolla over here. Stop. Mm. Ground yourself. 
and build off that base. But yeah. I oftentimes tell people, I mean, we all come to this planet, we come to this world naked. Mm-hmm. We're all going to die naked. Does not matter your house, your couch, your hat, your t shirt. We're not in any of that with us at all. So it's really all about the journey and what height you want to be on, exactly to your point, Jason. And I oftentimes will tell folks, it's really, really focus on your why. Like, why do you want to do what you do? Like, let's just be honest here. Like, starting a startup is not easy. Oh my God. As fancy as it sounds, like, oh, so glamorous, so sexy. Oh my God, I'm an entrepreneur. Well, it sounds cool enough, but. Oftentimes, I like folks to see the see the, the the fancier people on the stage, people like so uppity, but they're not seeing like really. It's not that sexy at all, you know. It's this this long night, and this is a journey that's very lonely. This is a very growing, you know, ever never stop self questioning journey. About am I really doing the right thing here? Is it really true? Is it do I have attraction? Do people really want why they're here? And there's a lot of self doubt, a lot of um question coming away and if you don't have a strong enough why to sustain that it's gonna be a very challenging journey mm-hmm. so i often tell folks right you know of course it's about hard working it's of course it's about a grid about persevering about get up you know not just get down like all that but really it's really what's your why why do you do what you do this is a harder path easier path is find a job just chilling like travel twice a week twi- twice um, two weeks a year like whatever that beautiful package you got right having mm-hmm. a fence you know fan around like that is an easy choice harder choice is actually follow whatever's in your heart and what is your why and for me people oftentimes say wow well you must be so brave oh my god you're the only person who ever left your town oh my god you, you are the only person who ever like leave that must be so courageous you must be so like smart so brave i was like no i'm like really i'm not brave at all the way how i see it is Either I leave or I die. I don't see any other way. If I have to be there, be someone that I am not and live a life that's not meant to be mine, I will die. And I don't, I truly see this as almost I make a coward choice. I make an easy choice because for me, it is the only way. And my fire is just, even as little as I remember, three years, so I remember I just bring my backpack, just leave. I don't even know what I'm leaving to. I just remember I leave. And it's really all come down to the why. And when your why is big enough, oh, challenges, hard work, it's all easy because you wanted to do it. Like, yes, it's hard work, but you wanted to do that. Yes, I, it took me entire afternoon to sack 15 seconds, that all it is. I will listen, I will like write marks, I will look at each word, I'll make the Chinese word pronunciation similar to English. Like, it took me a whole day just answering a little piece of it. But is it hardworking? Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. Was it so excited? Yes, it is. Because those are those choices are light up the path I'm going for. Because this is actually easy choice for me. Because I am living my heart. I'm living my passion. I'm let my fire shining through. This is the easy way out rather than stuck, stuck in the sideline, watching the light pass by. Living life is not mine. And I think the hardest thing ever in the world is one day I, I lay in my dying bed and saying, oh, what if? Oh my God, I wish I could. And I think that is the hardest thing ever. I'm waiting in 10 years for your book to come out. And the title is 
So I didn't become the mayor. <laughs> Say one time, I need to write this down. The title of your book. So I didn't become the mayor. <laughs> oh my God, Jason, you are the hood. You sure I should do this? Like what I'm thinking a lot, like either this or mountain town, or if not, not when, or I don't know. Yeah. You know, or, or the chapter of, hey, this is, you know, so I didn't become the mayor. I love this saying though. This is so cool. Because it is, I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, you were watching this movie of, of this team trying to fix the world and working hard and going against insurmountable odds. Yeah. But it's also telling because, you know, it's the, the, the purity of, of Moana, her, yeah. her idealism, where in a world of no's and in a world of struggle, where do you hold and host that idealism, that, that pure spirit that you wake up in the morning and it's a new day and you're, you're breathing that fire again? Where do you hold that? Jason, Moon chose me. I don't even understand the magnitude of it. Like, I know it sounds silly, but when I was seven, I thought that was the best secret. I'd never tell anybody. I hold it to my heart. It is not easy, but every time I look at the moon, I just really felt moon chose me. Today as an adult, of course I know moon did not actually physically chose me, but when I, if I, right now I stress, if I have a challenge in my heart, if I walk out of my house, I see the bright moon, I know everything's gonna be okay. And yeah. maybe people call me naive, maybe people call me pure optimism. And I, I just choose to see it as always a way. If there's, a, there's a, if there's a fire on my chest, it must be a way. If not, it should not exist. It's like, Jason, Jason, you talk about you want to start a TV show. This idea is in your heart. Therefore, it must be a way. That idea is a fantastic idea. It's not in my heart. I will not actually go out and start a cooking show. I, it's just not going to be me, right? <laughs> Why? Because this is not in my heart. But the fact that it is in your heart, you are meant to make it happen. You're going to have whatever it takes, whatever it needs. It can all come. The, the way how I see life is like little yellow brick roll. People often have want the exact roadmap from point A to point Z, but guess what? Point C will not happen until you made the first step. The second mm -hmm. step will reveal itself. When you made the second step, third step will reveal itself. Have I ever thought I will ever come this far? No. Like this is, I need to tell people I'm so lucky. I felt like I live two different lifetimes. And I felt so fortunate, so lucky. I would never, if you go back 20 years ago and tell that little girl who was so damn fucking pissed in a town and thinking, oh my God, is there any way? And you tell her, yes, when it will be, just try, just believe. She'll be like, you're crazy. There's just no way. When, when, so when you look around, there's no physical evidence suggests you are anywhere close to where you actually want to be. When everybody around you tell you you are crazy, when everybody, all your cousin, your nephew, they all tell their kids, don't hang out with them because she is out of her mind. When you're surrounded with all that disapproval, that negativity, when it's zero sign, show you you can. When you fail, not just one time, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, Nine failure total when zero sign shows you can, but you just have to hold on to your heart, knowing that whatever is in your heart is that means it's meant to be yours. You mm -hmm. are the chosen one. If you want, you follow my moon. Moon choose you too. Moon choose each and every one of us. The moonlight shines with all of us. If you choose to believe that fire, that dream, that idea in your heart, 
was meant to be yours. You are the chosen one to carry that vision out to the world. And that's how I see it. And when Moana, the ocean chose her, for me, I think my moon chose me. And if you want, moon chose you too, as long as you choose to see it. I love it. I love that. I, question for you, and uh, you know, you don't have to answer this, but um, is there, you, you told about, you know, you said, mom, I want to be mayor of the town. She's like, Shh, that's not what, no, be quiet, no. Does your mom now, when you talk to her and you talk about your success and the people you've helped and, and the voice that you've created for yourself, is she able to celebrate that? Or is she still somewhat apprehensive because of just where she lives and how she was raised and, and the culture and the environment of, of how women are perceived a little differently in that small town versus mm -hmm. the big dreams and aspirations that, um, that, you've, mm. achieved, that you've gone after? Ah, uh, what an insightful question, Jason. And I'm gonna answer it with honesty. Okay couple things. Number one, I mentioned I live a two different lifetime, which is true. When I visit home today, nothing changed. All my cousins, they have all the kids, which I love. They are my nephew and niece. I love them so much. They live life exactly what their mother, what their grandma had paid for ahead of them. So it's the exact same life. And for me, when I go home, I really try so hard to be, I would never tell tell you that's wrong or right because i want to respect where they come from and sure. there's so much love we share as a family and i'm here to honor and respect that so i that's my commitment to myself so that's one is i will never tell them one or another that's one secondly they don't understand my entire family never even finished high school they don't really know what master degree is neither do they understand what mba is they don't understand why do you need another degree like that's beyond the imagination they really at best think I am accountant. That is just easiest way to, for them to comprehend what I'm doing. So to answer your question directly, no, they don't know what I'm doing, neither do I able to share any success in any way, because I mean, I mean can you imagine the call with me and my mom is gonna be, so what do you have a dinner last night? What about breakfast today? What time do you go to bed? Do you sleep well? Do you take naps? Do, do people nice to you? Are you like, do you commit like, she care about my well-being, my food. My, do I get sleep? That is where my hometown, the pressing, very important thing, which is nothing wrong with. That's very important. That's one. And secondly, to really answer your question, people in my hometown, especially someone like my dad, who was very, it's a very patriotic culture, right? Dad mm -hmm. is the king of the house. My mom is a servant. You know, make sure everything is taken care of. His shoes is all tied. Like my mom would not even come to the table until everything is served. And my dad, probably have I finished the food. My, a girl like me or a woman don't have a voice in the town. On the table, we don't even really have a seat on the table, like physically, literally, like in the big dinner, like spring festival, or which is like a Christmas equivalent in the United States. We had a big table, man's in the table, woman in the side with children. We talk about other random things that's not important. And growing up, if I share my voice, it's really disrespectful. Like okay. all the conversation I ever had with my dad is, why do you eat so slow? You're wasting time here. Go do your homework. That's literally the only conversation I ever have years with my dad. And I remember one time I shared my opinion about my sister and my dad was so angry. He got out, just grabbed the chairs about to like hit me. And I know he's serious. And I was not willing to back down. And 
he could totally likely hit me. And luckily my mom stayed in the middle and that's how it goes. But I couldn't share anything really grow up. Neither now. They don't, they cannot understand it. What does the success means for them? It's just have food, have home. That's really what they care about. It's not really a success driven that way. And I always wanted to tell me when I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. But also part of my culture is we don't do that. We don't say we're proud of you. We don't say we love you. We don't say you are enough. Actually, on the opposite of that, where I come from as Asian, it's all about, oh my God, when, how do you, look at your cousin, like, oh my God, look at her, you should be like her for the longest time. That's like, I need to tell my mom, just take my cousin as your daughter then. Imagine that, that is a culture. Like if I, if I have 95 out of 100, it's not good job when 95 is like, where's that another five? Why do you not have the five points? That is actually love. For well, as long as I can understand, that's the way how they love me because it's a big, it's a small town. But a lot of people, right? For you to win is competition is really furious. So just take the one spot being a, being a post office man or woman in the town. It's a very, you know, it's less about abundance of mind. So for me, a longest time, I could not share success, you know, in a way that they really understand. And for longest time, I'm seeking their approval. I wish they can tell me, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And today I, I come to peace, realize, you know what? I am amazing. I tell myself how much my parents are proud of me, even though they never say that. This one time I call my dad and I don't know where I tell him, I miss you so much. And I saw his face change. And even though he said, okay, but I tell myself that's his cute. He just told me he missed me so much and you proud of me too. So they answer it directly. Number one, they don't really understand. Secondly, I don't really go there to brag about anything at all. Neither do they understand. Thirdly, they would never say that to me as a Asian culture, but I come to peace, realize they are loving me in their way. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that to myself. I know deep down, deep, 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 very, very deep down, they are proud about me, even though they will never say that. They will always criticizing the piece that I'm not enough whether it's I don't have kids yet for that that's a failure I don't have you can imagine all the things I don't I don't live in that conventional benchmark and with that Mm. I'm not if that answers your question at all yeah does does the love component change when parents become grandparents do they become a little more doting well they have not become one so I wouldn't know to how to answer actually what that where I come from mm-hmm. women are I don't want to say this but it's a culturally very perpetuate they, they think oh my god when you are old like if you're 26 they're like wow when you are I'm not 26 but you are old you don't have baby right now oh my god you are so old you're gonna you're gonna be disposed it's not actually that, but it's a cultural, it's in pride that way. So if you now have a baby in the age, I don't know, 30, 32, oh my God, you are such a disgrace of the family. I know it sounds really ridiculous, but this is how it is. Like every single day, the question is, when are you going to have a baby? When? What time? What? They don't understand why. So in that way, that's how they chose love. They will look at, wow, when you are so fat, like you're so fat in China, oh my God. That's how they show love. We, you know what, uh, there was a, a little girl, uh, my daughter was very good friends with her family was from China Aww. and her grandmother was there and thank, I mean, my daughter, 
just in tune. And the grandmother just walks up to Harper and she's like, hi. My daughter's like, hi. She goes, oh my gosh, you're so fat. And she meant it as a compliment of, hey, you're, and she's like, and she, and the, the mom is running over. She's like, she doesn't mean it that way. She's being sweet. And I'm like, and I don't, you know, I'm like, uh, I want to hear the story. Like, what? And she's like, you know, the mom, and she goes, no, no. She's saying she's like, she's from, they're from a very poor village in China. They moved over here. No one had a lot of food. And she's like, look, your daughter, she's, she's well-fed. She gets to eat what she wants. That's an amazing thing. Like to her, that was a really, that was a nice thing to say, but it was just the translation of how it came across. And I was blessed because I got to learn something new. And the mom was so cool about it. And the grandmother was cool about it. She was like, hey, like, I like your kid. I think she's awesome. I, uh, you know, and, and mm. I tell the story because I think we get, we're, we're, we're living in a world where we're seeing different cultures more rapidly and we're engaging with different cultures more rapidly. And in doing all of that, one of the fun and interesting things is, is that we also got to take the time to understand and not mm-hmm. judge and not react so quickly. And to, to take a pause, take a breath, take a moment mm-hmm. and see where they're really coming from. I mean, I, I'm from a small town in Montana. Most of my friends, their kids are graduating high school or are in college or out of college. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say 90% are. They got married at 18, 19, 20 years old, popping out kids at 22. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have heart till I was 40, 48. Oh, is your daughter, by the way, Jason? Eight years old. Oh. And, you know, I, I, I remember my parents, it's it's okay if you're gay. I'm like, I'm not gay. Not that anything wrong with that, Seinfeld. But, you know, it's like, I'm just like, I don't, you guys, it's just, I haven't found the right person, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, I don't want to have kids yet. I'm just not responsible enough to do it. It's not mentally, emotionally, not there. Those are not the dialogue that my hometown people will understand. But I (laughs) like, it's almost like it's not, we we can't even explain. Like, you cannot explain the way how they show love is very, my hometown, I love this, is very hierarchy. Like, older people are elderly in the family are like the right 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 so which you know you had to show respect right they will tell you what to do they don't ask you why and once again that's the way how they show love they're gonna say jason time is out when you're gonna have baby that's how they show love they really care about you and for the longest time i told you i lived in two separate worlds and it's hard for me to I felt like I understand the culture. I don't, it's where I come from, but I don't understand at all. Like I felt as if almost, I don't belong there. But also you can look at me and say, you know, I'm not American either. So sometimes I feel like I'm in the middle. I'm not here, neither here, neither mm-hmm. there. Um, it took a long time for me to find my peace, realize, you know what? I, I'm going to do me. I'm in Austin, Texas here. We're going to keep things weird. I am going to be weird in my own way. And I can just, I gonna do me. So it gonna it's a while for me to find peace in that too iconic in that culture aspect. And just so you know, in my hometown, we say you are fat. It's not a compliment. Actually, oh. it means when 
you are so fat. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> How do you allow yourself being so fat? It was, it was literally like pure, like, I'm not even joking. It's not joking. It's a, the first thing I have not seen for years is not, hello, how are you, Jason? I'm so, I miss you so much. Wow, Jason, you are fat. Wow. You might be skinny in America, but you're really fat here. You're going to like, wow. Wow. What happened? And my husband at the time, he's white, by the way. He traveled the whole time. He, he based on me translating to him. And he was like, what, what just happened? Should we walk out? I said, no, you sit down, you chill, pretend everything's perfect. This is, this is our role. And once again, I love my culture in DLA. Without them, I won't be who, you are, who I am today. Without, without the mountain of challenging that I was dealing with, without all those environments, I wouldn't want to just find a way out. Without all those loving comments, I wouldn't able to see, wow, I really just not meant to be here. I, mm-hmm. It must be a world out there for me to see. And without all those challenges, I wasn't able to seek my moment knowing that I, I am the chosen one, must be we're out there. So I am so deeply grateful, as, as even though it sounds so harsh, those comments, but I really know, like it's hard to explain, but it really is coming from a place of caring, the love, they know that they want you to be well, they want you to be skinny, they want you to have baby, they want you to be happy. They just want you to be happy, really. And where I come from, right, you know, my mom, my dad, they are in the 40s, uh, 40 or 50, that's where they were born. And that was a big famine time in China. And I'm in a mountain town, so even more so. So they want, so they're so concerned about survival. And, you know, where I grew up is, you know, my mom barely had money if I was sick, right? It's going to be a struggle if, like, so today when she look at me, she just want me to have those basic needs, even though she, so it's like that. Uh, I don't know if it's translated correctly. We all have Chinese name for each and every philosopher. Like, you know, Chinese name we call it Florida, part Florida or something along the line. That basic six needs, right? Mm-hmm. You have the survival and the first life. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's hard for folks to understand. It's almost, you know, where I where my family is, they are in the first level or second at the best. They don't with that you cannot really understand what do you people go for the six needs if that made any sense and not mm-hmm. nothing good or bad i love them so dearly but that's just what they want and that's beautiful i that's just not for me yeah. and when i was when i was little i want to share one article I, maybe that was just some lights when i was young i learned this article which i think is so stupid at the time and this article goes okay this is a famous article in china by the very famous like author and the article go like this if you in his house and house the door the windows all closed like super you can no way you can find a way out if the fire the, the house is on fire no way out if you are the people you have two choice inside do you choose to sleep until your death or do you choose to be awake even though there's no way out and that's your choice and when i learned the article no yeah i said that is so stupid who write this article oh my god first of all wow stupid 30 years later, I realized I made my choice. I want to be awake, even though it might be painful. I'd rather be awake seeing the truth. And that is my choice. That become my path. But I couldn't expect or require or expecting all my family, all my tribe, all my amazing people I really adore and love see my choice because they make a different choice. 
Does that make any sense, Jason? Yeah, it does. It makes me think and understand a lot of, of, of why you're so successful. You, you're, you're living in two different worlds. So you're instantly growing up <clears throat> and you're learning how to solve problems in different ways. You know, like I send my, this is a silly parallel, uh, but I send my daughter to Kumon to, to learn math, to get better at math. Yeah. They teach math differently at Kumon then they, then they teach the math at her school mm. and it frustrates her. She goes, dad, I'm not getting as good at grades. This is frustrating to me. You know, I don't want to do Kumon anymore. Mm. And I looked at her, I said, I don't care about grades. I care about effort. Number one, mm. you stop doing effort. We got a problem. Mm. Keep working hard and trying. We don't, we'll never have a problem. I go to the value of looking at a math problem, being able to solve it two or three different ways is very, very simple. Life's gonna throw you a lot of problems. Mm. If you only can solve it one way, you're only gonna go in one direction. You're only gonna see one thing. But if mm. you can solve a problem in multiple ways, then you can see multiple outs, multiple outcomes, multiple directions in where you can find success where you can find, where you can find uh, tranquility in your heart, whatever it may be, you're gonna have you're gonna have those options built in. But you've got to have them built in. And mm -hmm. successful people generally across the board have this origin story of bifurcation. They have this origin story of 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 of, 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 of having to see the world in different ways, in different layers. In different mm. understandings because then when problems are thrown you're not going well a b you're going all right well we can take a left over here you can do this you're instantly solving the problem in multiple ways mm. and that that mental and emotional flexibility mm. uh is uh i believe is is the absolute key to success Thank you so much, Jason. Uh, that means a lot. And I felt oftentimes people underestimate um, the mental flexibility you talk about. And for me, failure or setup or challenges was so normal that I really just don't give a darn. Like today, fail again, I know I can build anything, everything from scratch is not a problem. Mm -hmm. And I oftentimes see, you know, on this, in, in this particular perspective, when I see the founder who are maybe, maybe they are first time founder, maybe they are later, later in the game that they, they always successful in what they do. Say they are engineer, they are software developer, they follow the steps, they're always winning, right? They are so smart. They don't even try. School easy for them. They get in this best school, maybe whatever school they choose, they easy. They party, they got good grades, they got a very jolly one, they got promotions, and then the one is like, you know what, I want to try entrepreneurship. And now they suddenly see that, wow, I spent two weeks here. I'm not even successful yet. Like, oh my God, <laughs> he did not see this is different, different game. And it's so hard for them to actually see, almost like they are so tied to, it's not just ego, but the, the identity of everything's just so easy for them because that's who they always are. And therefore I see them, challenging just like having that guy the first no is a very difficult thing for them to take and i thought that would be another thing that i want to just articulate is one of the things that i really see founder kind of apart you know from 
when they really approaching the failure, well, not just a failure, but just challenging and setback, just really having that agility or flexibility, knowing that it's totally okay. And not like, I truly don't think I am, you know, I don't tell myself, like I really, if I felt cool, it's not a big deal. Like if I really quote unquote lose face, sure. Like I've been worse. Like I, I just, it's nothing. I don't feel like I had to prove to anything or anybody. I don't feel like I have to be just so perfect and the world is a rainbow and sunshine. I really mm-hmm. don't feel that way. And I feel that's become, give me so much freedom so I can fail if I choose to. I mean, I have thousand stars in between, between when I first come here to now, like I don't see that as who I am. The way how I see it is each and every one of us, we are come this world as a diamond we're going to leave this world as a diamond. Everything in between, you're already a diamond. There's nothing need to be approved. And that knowing that your failure or your success have nothing to do with who you are. And you, you as a human being, as a, per, as a person, as an amazing humankind, disassociate from that, it just gave people so much freedom to fail, to succeed, and everything in between. That's beautifully put. I, I, you know, it's... Uh world is a tough place, you know, and some parts are obviously tougher than others. And, and uh, at the same time, you know, that it's that perception. I wonder, you know, for, for, for you and the, the, all that you do and how do you shift perception from home? Like, how do you take that mental shift when you go home Mm-hmm. and go home because i'll tell you what i mean i struggle with it mm-hmm. i go even going back to montana like i'm going back to a, a town townsend montana and i love townsend it's got a little mm-hmm. brewery there i think it's got mm-hmm. kind of one hotel i will shit on the hotel it's disgusting but i've got my 94 <laughs> year old grandmother there i've got cousins there i've got people there and they're awesome and i love them to death mm-hmm. but it's townsend if i go into townsend and I'm like, oh man, at South by we kicked up the first wine NFT, or oh man, at South by you know uh, Post Malone and 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 Ludacris, we brought him in, we did this party at the Chive, we had this fun, and then I got a beer named after me, and then we, you know, mm. they're gonna look at me and go, what are you talking about, and why are you bragging, and why are you trying to be the big guy in town? No one cares. But if I go into Townsend. And I see my family, my cousin, and I go, hey, let's, uh, you guys, let's go hang out. Let's go down to the bar, the local bar. Let's grab a beer. Let's grab a six pack, go up to Uncle Joe's. We'll, you know, have a good time. And we'll talk about the ranch and we'll talk about golf. We'll talk about the things that they want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. It's one, I'd say it's very respectful to them and, and where they are. And two, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about things that whether, you know, they probably have zero interest in, A. But B also, it's just, it's, it's not in their purview. There's, you know, the yeah. crypto NFT currency in a town of 1500 people that's full of ranchers, not saying they couldn't get it or don't know it. It's just not there. Yeah. It's not what they want to talk about. And, well, and I wonder for you, how do you make, how do you, how do you mentally do that shift? First of all, I'm just really curious. Where, there's a beer named after you, Jason. Can we just take a second? <laughs> where can I get a beer and how? Wow, I want to try that beer. So there, that's it's. Uh, so there's two things. Um, years ago, I was in Portland, Oregon, hanging out with some friends. And okay. Portland, uh, so I used to work for a brewery. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I, was, I was in Portland and um, it was, it's the microbrew capital and everything's heavy and thick and IPA mm -hmm. and stout and Ugh. hanging out. We're joking around and it's a, uh, there was a pub crawl we would do on St. Patrick's day and it was called from O'Brien's to oblivion. So 15 bars, 12 hours, get a beer in each bar, have a good time, but you can't drink 50. I mean, it's just, it's too heavy. So we were drinking Pabst blue ribbon mm. over ice with a lemon wedge. And we called it a trailer park iced tea. Okay. Sounds disgusting. Eh, you know, depends on what you like. Well, I moved from Portland back down to Newport Beach, California, and I go to my favorite bar, Mutt Lynch's. They have about 20 taps. Hmm. The, the slowest tap is 45 kegs a month. That's the slowest. So if you're not at 45 kegs, you're kicked out. You're off the line. Okay. And so I go to the owner and I said, hey, can you bring Pabst in? And he goes, no, it's a disgusting beer. And I'm offended you would even tell me. I go, no, 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 no. Trailer Park Iced Tea and Pabst Mosa, PBR and orange juice. It's gonna fly off the shelves. And he's like, you're a moron. We're not gonna do this. Go back in the next day. I'm like, come on, man. I want a trailer park iced tea so bad. He goes, I ordered a keg of Pabst. We're not gonna sell it. It's gonna sit in my cooler. And I'm gonna make you drink the whole thing because you're not smart. And I said, perfect. How can I get it? Let's go. So he puts it on the menu. JJ specials, the trailer park iced tea and the Pabst Mosa. 60 kegs a month later. <laughs> oh my God, Jason, you did it. Ah, names on the menu at this famous. So now fast forward to now. Amazing. I'm out at 12 Fox Brewery and I got to call Joe back. I feel horrible. I've been busy, but um, I, I'm talking to 12 Fox and I said, hey, I think we should do a talking during movies beer. I'll help you guys, you know, with whatever you need, we can do a little joint investment together. I got my guy over in the Netherlands it, it, on a Instagram. He's at the hairy artist. And I mean, he's done face swap stuff. He does digital ads. He's a wizard. I'm like, I got, I got a, I got an ad team that I got, that I can turn on. I have some celebrity friends that can promote it. I've got, you know, uh, you know, chef people, we're doing this TV show. We got all these things, all these accoutrements that we can go after. So do you guys want to do it? And the coolness of 12 Fox Brewery, Joe's just like, hey man, I'll just do it to do it with you. This sounds fun. Like, let's just, let's do a beer. So we are getting that other one in process where it will be a talking during movies beer, which is going to be a lot of fun. And it'll be a limited run, you know, 10, 12 kegs, whatever. And we'll, uh, you know, I'll supplement a lot of the costs so that after they, they don't have to make as much money back. And then all the rest of the money will go to a, to a veterans cause to help veterans. Wow, what a story, Jason. Wow, amazing. And talk about vision, talk about passion. That's amazing. I just, I love the give back component. I always want to. Mm. And I always want to do something a little different. I mean, how many podcasts have a beer? None. Let's change mm. that. Let's have some fun. Uh, and then two, it's also association. It's fun. You know, I was, I work with this financial services group and they're, they're very high end and the owner's got these great visions mm -hmm. and really like stuff. And he's like, we should do a magazine. I'm like, all right. So we're, we built this magazine with no ads. It's just highlights and profiles of people, cars, homes, and it's all free, but it goes to his clients. So instead of, I don't know what you get from your bank, usually an envelope, 
rates are low, get this yeah. credit card, here's your bank statement. That. Imagine your bank sending you a quarterly, oversized, 100 page, thick, soft touch coffee table book mm. with no ads, introducing you to people and homes and things that you didn't know maybe existed. So in the first issue, you know, obviously we have the CEO, he's in there as the visionary. Got my buddy, Chef Joe Gatto, sharing some of his favorite recipes and how to make them from scratch. We've got his custom knife maker, the guy who helped him make his knife from scratch. Got a home in Florida worth 15 million, a cabin up in Montana worth 8 million. Uh, we got this young entrepreneur here who loves robotics and the future of robotics talking. We've got my friend who's a famous LA photographer talking about what it's like to be behind the lens. How do you get these people involved and what do you do? Here in Austin, Master Sommelier, Craig Collins, talking about the best wines and why they fit and what works and how to order wine and how to seem, you know, you go to a nice restaurant worth $100 million, that doesn't mean you get the 82 Chateau Lafitte. You can learn from the Somalia. You can call the Somalia in advance and go, hey, man, this is my budget. This is what I got. Please help me. So we kind of break all these things down. Then a nice car. And then we did the accoutrement. Could have gone after the rare Bentley and did a profile on it. But we went after the guy that makes the $250,000 watch to match the $5 million Bentley. And it does two things. One, it allows us to communicate mm -hmm. easily. But think about this as well. From the high-end homes, to the celebrities, to the influencers, to the cars and everything else. If I did influencer packages for all of those, that'd be millions of dollars. And I might get a post on Instagram, you know, get a quote, throw in a press release, what have you. Or they can all give me that content. My name is now instantly associated with a celebrity chef, with Bentley with you know, these rebuilt beautiful Porsches, with these multi-million dollar homes, and it didn't cost me any money. You are a visionary, Jason. <laughs> really, that is wow. And by the way, this part of the movie always made me so sad. Why? Um, tell the part, talk to the people, tell them, tell them what you're seeing. This is part that Moana has tried and tried and she, has failed and now she asks the ocean to take back the gem. The gem and ask ocean to unchose her. And she gave back the gem. And and this is the moment that her a dying grandma now show up and and ask her, do you know who you are? And and she's just I mean, she's just in the moment of questioning if she's in the right track and if she knows who she is. And that's beautiful. It, just you know, so like, it is. It, this this moment reminds me of times with my daughter. You know, I mm. she didn't choose to have me as a dad. She just didn't. Mm. She got stuck with me. And I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and in not being perfect, you know, I sit down with her all the time and I'm like, hey, how can I be better? What can I do? And one time we were, uh, sorry, I get a little emotional sometimes. We're talking, we're hanging out. And I was like, hey man, how can I be better? Like, you didn't choose me. We always have these conversations. She goes, you know, dad, you raise your voice sometimes. And it, I don't like it. Mm. I said, all right, I'm sorry. We'll work on it. Two months later, we're just walking down the street, hanging out. She grabs my hand. 
She goes, you know, you haven't raised your voice in a long time. Thank you. Wow. And you just go. I mean, people forget the power that children have, the memories that they can carry. And to empower her to be able to talk to me like an adult, to empower her mm. to hold my hand and tell me where I can be better. Mm. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Now, sometimes she'll be like, dad, you're really having a problem. You're making me vegetables. And I'm like, that's not a, you got stuck with me. That's just good parenting. Finish your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're able to discern between two, which is difficult. You have to, right? I mean, you have to. You have to discern where you're a parent, where you're not. But mm. those opportunities, right, mm. to to share mm -hmm. and hopefully empower her. She uh, one yeah. day she was hanging out, and she's the youngest girl. Uh, you know, when when I was married, we we had this house in this in this neighborhood, and a couple of years ago, and she was youngest girl with all the girls. Mm. She went to play, comes back. Hey man, I thought you played with friends. They uh, put me um, in timeout because I was the youngest one and they wanted me to watch them play. Oh. I said, oh, okay, well, what did you do? She goes, I came home. They're gonna play with me. We're all gonna play together fair. I'm not gonna play with them. Wow. And I was so proud of her. Wow. So proud of her. Talking about take a stand. I know. I mean, she was six. These are eight, nine-year-old girls. And she's like, screw you. Go home, hang out with awesome. my dad. That's awesome, Jason. You really raise a great daughter, leader, and woman of her voice. And I just can't wait to see one day she gonna, how she's going to really shine with the world, with her passion, her heart. That's right. That's what it's all about. You know, you got to you got to do those things and, uh, you know, you, you take the, the tough and the fun and you embrace yeah. them and it's, uh, it's amazing. And this is, you know what, it's funny because this is, this is why we do the pot. This is why I do the podcast, these moments right here to, you know, it's like, it's mm. where it really touches and, and, and dives into, you know, who, who we are and, mm. you know, the, it's fun to do the, the stories, so but it's, it's another thing to be open. Right. It's so interesting you said who we are and this part of the story, Moana find who she is. Yeah. And I love this movie so much because this is the first time, or one of the first time I noticed that she thought she's gonna save the world by finding this support, this male figure. At the end, she chose herself. She mm -hmm. is so tiny, she has no superpower, but she decides she's gonna be the one saving her village. Yeah. She chose herself. And at moment of time, isn't it, Jason, you won't be who you are today until one day you choose you, you choose the path you're going to be on and choose whatever that's in your heart. And, and I really felt every, every, any person in history who done something impossible in just incredible is this one moment he or she was just like you and me, a normal person, but the moment they choose a different vision. Think about Michael Jordan when he was getting off from the high school, uh, high school basketball team. And that moment he decided he's going to be the best basketball player in the history. But that moment, he was not that great. He was just yeah. like a normal person. And, and I thought about, yeah, 
we all choose us in one moment and that's how we become who we are today you know uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or you know you're just an average you know you're a person working wherever you are i couldn't agree with you more if, if you're not going to choose yourself mm. no one else is nobody and, will and then you know i i always i give this challenge to people and, and some take it and some don't and some have tried it and boy they're just like jay i tried very uncomfortable not going to do it and i get it but i tell everyone this start by choosing yourself and the easiest mm. way to choose yourself is when you get up in the morning you walk into the bathroom you look in the mirror and you say out loud, I love you. Oh, I love that. Okay. I love you, say I love you. I actually say a different word. I said, I am enough and I am loved. That's what I said to myself. I realized for the longest time, I really want that approval from my family. And I realized, you know what? I'm going to get that to myself. Yeah. And to answer your question, Jason, earlier about you know, how do you shift the mindset? How do people prepare, right? How do you shift a different culture when you're home, when it's a different mentality, different love, different the way how you see things? How do you make sure you're still connected and being who you are authentically, but in the same time still reconnect? And you know, for me, to re-answer that question is it is I, I oftentimes think whatever we do or whatever choice we make in life was either coming from a place of fear or coming from a place of love. Mm-hmm. It can be either. And yeah. for me, when I, the moment when I decided to go home, I'm thinking, why, 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 why do I want to go home? Is it because I, I miss my family? I miss my culture, my cousins, my sisters. And if it's coming from a place of love, right? You know, for me, take a moment to just connect with that because love is universal. The language doesn't matter. Do people have the beer name after them or do they have this fancy crypto thing? Does not matter. At the end of the day, I think we all want the same thing. We just use a different language. And for me, it's about when I'm visit, it's about them. It's not about me. And when I shift that perspective, it just becomes so much easier. My job there is not convincing them or not trying to showcase who I am. It's about just you know, how do I connect? Like, for example, all my cousins, which I'm very, I'm very close with growing up, they all, they all have kids. And I'm really, I want to get to know my nephew and nieces. And I really just, it's all about how do we come back to a place of love and genuinely interesting. We want to connect rather than when you really take a second, think about it's not about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so much easy and really focus on love. Yeah. It's all there ever matters. That's true. It's true, you know. It's uh, it's it's very true. What um. What you hear? What are some of the things that you love to celebrate? And the reason I ask this is because I think too many people, especially entrepreneurs, mm. they don't take the moments to look mm-hmm. at the steps to celebrate the successes, and I'll be honest, to celebrate the failures, mm. right? Because I love if, that. If you're not going to learn from your failures, you're sure as shit not going to understand your success. I love that. You know, first of all, I, in my podcast, I speak with a lot of incredible, successful entrepreneurs, innovators, leaders, and especially how the most successful he or she is, they always a moment that was, you know, incredibly a failure or a moment that they don't, they lost themselves, a moment they don't know if they have all the take to move forward. 
And without every single one of them said, without those, you know, sad battles, failure, they cannot be who they are today. So you are 100% right. Celebrate failure is equally, equally important than success. And I think I often tell people is, you know, celebration is, it's like, Oftentimes entrepreneurs are so busy on creating and the big traction, the big win here, but every small win equally matters. And that's how we adding up together become momentum. The more you we channel into the small wins every day, not become the drive and to to the to the huge success. And, and while my answer that question, I really want to take a pause, speak about this mm-hmm. is my favorite part of the movie. When this moment, Moana herself kind of facing this huge evil and she have no fear she's, i just think it's so so beautiful and she just walked there she's got the the backing and the power and the courage yes and the, the, of, the, the monster looks so crazy and scary but she's not afraid yeah because how many times that boat flipped over in this movie how many times has she been left behind how many times, you know, all these things that have happened and look at her. Walks she right chose up. to believe. She knows. Yeah. She's, I think this moment she chose love. She, she knows love. that it's because that monster, quote unquote, is lost in her heart. And she chose yeah. rather than that fear try to her. She chose there's a way and she put her heart back. And I just love that moment is because whether it's entrepreneur, whether it's, you know, I, I looking at yourself, Jason, the journey that you've been to, or my own self, is there's a moment that the monster, the obstacle seems so beyond what we can ever imagine. Life can just keep going and believe in your vision, believe in your heart and find a place of love. You can always find an answer, always yeah. a way. And you know what? Sometimes it's not a big, bad monster. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know what it is? someone who's misunderstood sometimes it's someone that was mistreated and they don't have it in them yeah but if you can show them it comes out i tell i oftentimes i I like to think that each and every one of us are doing our best in every moment if Mm -hmm. right now you meet a person quote unquote not as kind maybe you call an asshole or whatever person is or challenges is knowing that they're doing the best they can at this moment and given the grace but most important i felt you just have to believe the moment i make a decision this is my fire this is the path i'm going that moment of declaration that decision can really shift the entire way you're looking at the destiny that moment of intention, the stronger, the clearer it is, you're going to release so much more power within you, carry you through with that confidence, with that ease, with that energy, with that drive, with that passion to face whatever monster can be on your way. Whether it's a person, event, uh, challenges, whatever that is. Yep, I agree. It's, uh, you know, this is, um, it's a beautiful movie and it, you know, for, for people that are like, oh, it's a cartoon. I'm like, hey, you guys, it, this is about not just lessons learned. I mean, you look at, you know, it, it tackles greed. It, it, it embraces love to your point. It talks about family and, and culture and, and a lot like what you went through, right? But most importantly, she did not find a prince and then have a happy ever after ending. She is on the quest and she is making it happen. 
despite she has support or not. This mm-hmm. is a movie so special to me. It's not just because it's so cute and adorable, but also she is the one choosing herself and she make it happen. And she's the one that have this vision, having the fire. She invite people along her, supporting her, but she's the one facing that monster alone, facing forward with that discernment, with that unmovable courage and, dis- and determination and faith. And that is what I love most about the movie is there's so many story or narrative about little girl find a prince and therefore you're gonna happy ever after. My my version of it is no, you you even you are the girl, not even in any bad way. You don't need to find a prince. You'll find yourself. When you find yourself, the right thing will come. But you are not we, we are not waiting for anybody to rescue us. Yeah. We are our own path. And speaking to your eight years old daughter, when she that moment decided to walk away from her more older friends, she she is cooler herself. She doesn't need anyone's approval. She yeah. does not need her prince to come rescue her. She does not need all other girls to like her. She is on her own path. She knows who she is. She knows her power. She owned, she owned her vision. She believed herself. And that is what so special about this movie is it's not, it's not about that prince. It's not about the happy ever after. No one can give that to yourself. You give that to yourself. You exactly. choose it. Like I say, we talked about it, man. If you don't love yourself, no one can love you. Just a fact. You know, it really is. And, and that goes for both sides. You know, you're like, oh, great. I love myself. Make sure that person you're with loved themselves as well. Make sure. Yes. It makes life a lot easier. Yes. Right? It just does. Yes. It does. Uh, when we're, we're at the end of the movie and... Uh, I, I like to close with this and you know, this is even, seems more appropriate than ever. So, you know, we, uh, here in America, right? You just go to the store, you buy some bread, you buy those pesky damn avocados, you go get it, you're ready to eat it, the bread's moldy, the avocado's gone bad. Okay, no big deal. Why? Because go to the store and you can buy it again. But time, is the one thing you never get back. And it is always amazing to me and always overwhelming to me that uh, a stranger, and now I would consider you a friend, would spend two hours with me, not knowing me, with the, the whim of conversation, uh, you know, that, that you, would, you would give up something so precious as, as something that you can never get back. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jason. This is such an honor, such a pleasure. I have so much fun. Thank you for allowing me being here, share stories. This is, this is such an honor. Thank you. Well, thank you. And tell people again, your podcast, LinkedIn, get them. My podcast called If Not Now Went. So it's my website, ifnotnowwent.com. My LinkedIn is my name, when then you will find me. And I really want to leave this as, you know, it does, it's not even about me. It's about you. Who, do you. who do you choose to be? What path you choose on? Whatever you have fire on your chest, choosing it, believing it, knowing that you can. Because if a mountain girl, a mountain girl can come this far, so you can, so can you. I love it. I love it. Well, folks, there we have it. The mighty, the powerful. Wen Zhang, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. And now is your time, folks. That precious little girl of mine walked out and 
sang to me a song about the first time she took a poop by herself. Party people, enjoy. Thank you so much. Wen, thank you. Appreciate you. And uh, I look forward to uh, connecting with you soon. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you.